This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Almost Heretical. It's Nate here, and we're going to try something a little different today. It's going to be a new type of episode that we're going to mix in going forward um, amongst our episodes, and it's it's listener stories from our patrons, those that help support this show. And uh, so many of you have written in via email or the Facebook group that's um, for supporters of this show or uh, sent in audio clips of your stories. And there are just so many stories out there. And I'm every time I read one, I, it just gives me more like, okay, I'm, this, this is why we're doing the show. You know what I mean? Yeah, we feel, we feel like when people are going through faith um, change, faith, a faith journey, deconstruction, however you want to call it. Most often the, the biggest challenge is people feeling very alone. And so of course the, the, the remedy to that is community, but there's only so much of that we can really create over a podcast. I mean, we're, we do have the Facebook group which and the Zoom calls, which are incredible ways to connect in real time with people who are going through this. But, but we want to start doing a show on Almost Radical where we share some of the other stories um, of people that hopefully you can resonate with. And all of this is just for the, the constant reminder that you're not alone and you're not crazy. And yeah, there's something, I don't know, there's the saying that a, you know a picture is worth a thousand words or something, but there's got to be some other version of that of that that to me I feel like a story is is worth I don't know what what would it be a story is worth a thousand hours of analysis or something right. like that a story will just it tells it teaches us something even if it's kind of unspoken just it gives us this feeling of well well it'll you'll see a, what your feeling is when you listen to the story we're gonna listen to today yeah, there was a teacher a couple thousand years ago that <laughs> believed a lot in, I think, what you're talking about. Yeah, that's about true. Story this goes. guy named Jesus was big on stories. But I do remember when, uh, this is like six, seven, eight years ago now, I guess. Oh, eight? I need to update these numbers. Eight, eight to nine years ago now, I guess, when my when my faith evolution started. And it was a slow process at the beginning. It didn't all happen right away, right? Those dominoes slowly tip over. But I do remember um, as I, you know, we started the show and there would be people from like Eternity Bible College where I used to go to school or, a, you know, a church down in Southern California that I used to be a part of and they would reach out and it was like, you'd see a name and you're like, what? Like, I'm just making up a name. Like, Charles. Charles, you're like, you're thinking about some of this stuff too? Like you, and and then they share their story and I'm like, yes. You know, in that moment when you're just like, Yes, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had that. Too. Wait, did you have that? And then you, mm-hmm. and then you ask, and and you know, I think we've all been there w- with whatever topic it is, right? Where you find that thing in common with someone, and it really just opens up this door, and you're, you're just like you feel such connection to this person, and um, and they're able to sometimes they're a little farther ahead, or they're far, they're you know farther behind where you are, and you can either you know help that person along, or they kind of help you along, and you share uh, you know resources, or you share books or podcasts or whatever, documentaries or something that was helpful to you. And I'm hoping that that's what these episodes, as we start doing some of these throughout 
you know, mixed into all the other types of stuff we do here on Almost Heretical, that that will be a little bit of what this gives you in this process. So should we get into our audio for today, the story that we have from one of our patrons, one of our supporters of this show? Um, and if, if you want, you know, to want to share your story and you feel like your story is one that could be helpful to others, um, if you get onto our private Facebook group, or you're on the Zoom call, or whatever it is, just you know, just let us know. Just share that with us. We would love to um, get your recording. A lot of people are like, you know, I don't, I don't like how I mm. sound, or I don't want to talk. And you know what? That's like, you sound great. Your voice sounds great. Honestly, like I used to be in radio. I used to coach speech and all this. Like your voice is wonderful, and there are so many wonderful voices out there. Your voice is going to sound great, and we'd love to have your story. Yeah, so today our story is from a patron uh, named Catherine, and she's been on our um, Zoom calls. And I mean, I remember the first time she, I happened to be in kind of a, a breakout group with her, um, and she told part of her story that had to do with the the topic we were discussing as a group that day. And I was so moved by it. And then she um, she sent us the rest of her story just in a kind of typed out form. And so we, we um, got back to her and we're like, we would love to share this with the rest of the almost theoretical community so she sent us a recording and we're really excited to share that with you all right let's go my name is Catherine, and this is a bit of my story for the past eight years i was a case manager working with refugees I fully believed I was doing God's will and living out the embodiment of caring for the orphan, widow, and foreigner, as I saw repeated in scripture. Carrying this mission kept me going through times of hardships and burnout. I think with many, my disillusionment began in 2016 with the election of Trump. Everything that he promoted was opposite what I felt I had learned from God. So I was in disbelief when I saw so many evangelicals from my community embrace and support him. It hurt when people I knew and loved were spewing anti-immigration propaganda, yet those immigrants were the ones I cared for so deeply. And the disillusionment only grew with every passing social issue, from George Floyd to the pandemic, where I saw and still see the Christians around me so blindly following a political party rather than taking up the cause of the oppressed or being so individualistic rather than thinking about the community around them. In 2021, I reached my breaking point. A single mother I worked with for over five years contracted COVID. She was the mother of five precious children from 20 years of age to a newborn. After her youngest was born, her condition deteriorated. Everything I had been taught and believed and thought told me to pray. God could provide a miracle. God had intervened when Moses and other figures prayed for his aid, for his will to change, that God is the same God now as he was then, that he could do something about this terrible situation. After a month of ups and downs, she died in May. And sometimes I still blame myself, thinking that God didn't listen to me because I was not faithful enough to be asking for his help, because I didn't pray hard enough, because I didn't fast long enough. On top of that, this was an Islamic practicing family, and the Christians around me, who I asked to help me pray, expressed in one way or another that she was going to hell 
and it was my duty to try and save the children from the same fate. Around the same time, a Bible study group I was a part of decided to go through 1 Timothy. Based on lack of research, lack of flexibility, and group members' interpretations, I left feeling like complete trash. I felt inferior myself and in the eyes of others simply because I was born female. I saw in our church that because I am a woman, I didn't have the opportunity to let my voice and my opinions be heard to the same extent as a man's. I wrestled and still do with so many emotions regarding both these experiences. I felt betrayed and abandoned by my community and by God. I haven't been able to pray without a well of these emotions bubbling up, and more often than not, I refuse to pray, perhaps out of bitterness. I left my job from burnout, and I'm pursuing another career. I left my church where there are held beliefs that unreached people will go to hell, and additionally, Female roles in that church are limited to administrative work, child care, or women's ministry, with a firm statement on why positions of elders and other leadership roles are left solely to men. I tried to hop around to different churches for a while, seeking out other opinions, other views, but it felt like a copy-paste situation. I had given up my faith entirely. My husband was my rock during this time. He was patient, encouraged me, followed me to every new church I wanted to attend, and held me when I cried. He kept pushing me to seek the truth, and so I did. I became so frustrated with my physical surroundings. I turned to the internet, but it just kept blasting the same opinions in my face. I think eventually I googled progressive Christian resources and came across almost heretical. I was skeptical at first but then found the Heaven and Hell series late last year, and I was hooked. For the first time in my Christian journey, I felt thirsty and couldn't get enough. I felt such relief knowing it was okay to still have faith, yet not believe in heaven and hell in that traditional sense I was taught. I didn't feel less than because of my gender. I loved hearing about cultural contexts and different perspectives, rather than simply taking the Bible at face value. I felt like my jumbled up thoughts were finally being spoken eloquently and backed up by scholarly research. Things seem to make a little more sense, and I'm a little more at peace. Having joined the Zoom calls and Facebook group as well has helped me feel like part of a community again. I don't feel alone in this journey anymore. I found a place where I belong. Hey, Brian, do you know anyone that was once a teenage fundamentalist? Troy, you know that I was because you and I have a podcast called I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist. I did know that. But you know what I find myself asking these days? No, I don't, but I think you're going to tell me. What about all those things that church gave us definite answers for? What are we supposed to think about all those things now? Well, funnily enough, that's what we're doing for season five of I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist. Ooh, Brian. I sense the Lord at work here. Mm, He works in mysterious ways. And we are going to unpack these things. We're going to find out what we do think about them now. So tune in to Season 5 of I Was a Teenage Fundamentalist, the official podcast for the Azusa Street Revival. 
<laughs> um, I'm not quite sure that's true, but it is available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Wow, yeah. I, I and I feel like there's so many different people's stories are like wrapped up in there, right? Like I mean the reason we started this show in the first place was like, we started recording in December 2017. So we had just experienced that whole year of kind of the first year of Donald Trump and that was really hard for me, it was really hard for a lot of Christians that especially I mean it wasn't just young people. I mean most of the listeners listeners of the show are not, you know, I think Sometimes people on the outside are like, oh, it's probably just a bunch of 20-year-olds wanting to rebel against what their parents taught them. And if you come on these Zoom calls, you will see it's not just a bunch of 20-year-olds. There are there are older people on the calls. There are middle-aged people on the calls. There are people in all different walks of life on, on these calls and in the Facebook group. And and I love that so much. I love that there are people that are you know a generation or two generations above me, older than me, that mm-hmm. are seeing these things too. Because I think what happened for for me was looking at all the different leaders that I had looked up to that had taught me about who Jesus is, what Christianity is, what's the what the what's the point of all this? Why, why do we do what we do? All this kind of stuff. How do we live? And then someone like Donald Trump comes along, who to me was it was pretty easy to spot. Like this is not anything like Jesus. This is not anything like the Christian values that I I had been given. Right? It was a pretty easy. Like it wasn't complicated at all to me. It was like okay, that's pretty pretty cut and dry, clear clear cut. And then the election happens in 81%, right? And that number has been, I think it was a book called, I was, oh, it's a song. Someone someone messaged me about what's, there's like a song like for the 81% or something like that, or to the 81% or something like that. Anyways, message me. But that 81% of, I think it was white evangelical mm-hmm. Christians, identifying Christians in the United States. Um, and sure, some people are going to say, well, I don't identify as evangelical, but, but the vast majority of quote unquote the church in the US votes for this guy and it's just you know if if it had been you know much much lower and twenty percent or so I, I don't think it would have been this and and it, let's say and he still gets elected, right? Like I don't think it would have been this such shock. Yeah, catastrophic thing for people of you know your the dissonance between what you were taught and what you in my case were were teaching people about who Jesus is and then this person that comes along and the church just, you know bows down in support of, like, I don't think it would have been that big of a deal if the church hadn't just followed suit with this guy. And um, so anyways, I, that, as far as just the, the Trump factor in mm-hmm. all that, that's a, you know, that was a big issue for a lot of people. And I understand that. I mean, that's, again, where the show kind of started out of. And, you know, we're not like crazy political on this show anymore or whatever. And we never really were. It's just, that was an issue, I think, for a lot of people. And that was, for a number of people, and we get on these calls with people, that was a that was the catalyst for a lot of people on this journey and, and starting to rethink things. Yeah, yeah. The, the word that um, Catherine used a couple times is disillusionment, and I think that is uh, pretty accurate for a lot of of people on this journey. That, and I know it was for me. Sure, Trump was a, a factor, but I think at the moment for me that it really felt I felt the most disillusioned was with. George Floyd and specifically the way that Christians were obviously defending the officer. I don't even really like using his name, but also the way Christians were coming to the support of, of black people, but using the Bible as their justification as if like, and it just, it rubbed me so wrong because I know that sounds weird because it's like, well, isn't that great to use the Bible to 
you know, fight racism. But the way it came across to me was like, you are fighting racism only because the Bible says so. And like, if the mm-hmm. Bible didn't say so, you you wouldn't. And and it just, I suddenly started to realize like, this is, the priorities here are skewed. And, and the way that, like, we're we're using this book to, we're using it for our own agenda rather than, well, yeah. Anyway, disillusionment was the... Yeah think a lot of people's experience in those those years yeah yeah definitely and then she moves into talking about the family that of immigrants that she was working with and the the mom who contracted covid and ended up passing away and i personally i I, that was the part of her story that she shared originally and that i was so i so resonated with because i had such a similar experience at the beginning of my kind of faith change with I mean, the, the the key the being, I guess, unanswered prayer and tragedy, like those things together that in a similar way. And I've told the story, I don't know if I've told it on Almost Heretical, but I've told it on Utterly Heretical before, of uh, the, a friend of mine who, who died in a car accident and her husband was on life support for a week and we were all just, people across the world were praying for him and and then he passed away. And and I felt I felt unjustified in that being such a big deal to me because I know, you know, people have died People die all the time. Like people, you know, God can't just keep everyone from dying, right? Like, yeah, I heard all of the mm-hmm. the other arguments in my head of, you know, God has another, a bigger plan or a better plan or, you know, God is with the suffering. That's the one I heard the most because I think, you know, a lot of people had moved past the idea that God was going to, you know, that this was somehow God's will. People were, but they were in this stage of, okay, but God is with you in your suffering. And even that was just no longer enough for me. I was like, if God has any power whatsoever, it wasn't even just why didn't he save this father for the sake of his, you know, child who was left parentless, but why, like, why does God allow this to continue at all? And I knew that there were probably apologists who had, answers that they felt would answer my question but That's i just you're gonna get like the already but not yet stuff yeah yeah oh yeah and i i i just didn't care like it wasn't enough anymore and and it was at that point more of an emotional like i just i can't hear these anymore they're just they feel like cop-outs and excuses for a god who in theory can do anything hmm. i mean that was the day that i really stopped praying in any way that resembled what it was before. And that's kind of what Catherine said in her story too, of just, I mean, after something like that, if you're like, if God's not going to answer that prayer, then what, why would I ask for anything else? At least that's how it felt. Whether that's logical or not, isn't really the, wasn't really what mattered in the moment. Yeah. I mean, it does change things. It, I'm trying to like translate this to another relationship, right? Cause we always give, put God in this other box which can, you know, holy, and I, I get it all, but I'm just saying, like, we also call him a good father and all this kind of stuff, and I'm trying, so I'm trying to always take it back to, like, if if I had the power to, to do something or to stop something, and my oldest, Lucy, was, like, asking me, like, please, can you do this over and over again, you know, and I'm, like, thinking about it, thinking, and I had, and, and let's say we believe that I have the power to stop it, and I don't. Now, no, something that's, genuinely yeah. important too right. like we're not talking about you know lucy saying can i please have you know this this pair of shoes i really want which i mean that would still be a legitimate thing she could ask you for but something like very significant like you know my can you please you know give my dog this medicine because it's gonna die and if as a father you said no or you just waited for the dog to die like 
But what, I think the answer has been like distrust that would. Yeah, but hasn't the answer been like you know? And these are all the you know answers that felt trite right to you and like didn't suffice. Mm-hmm. But hasn't the answer always been like? But I you know it's because I want her to go through something to experience what you know. I don't know, but I mean, yeah. yeah and, but that's the thing. Like, I think you reach a point where it sounds like Catherine did. Many of our listeners are you and I have reached where those answers just don't, I mean, I know we know the answers, right? Like we know the passages, we know the arguments that you can put together. I don't mean like an argument argument. I just mean like, we know the case for yeah. Christ. <laughs> we, we know the case. Yeah. Um, and it just doesn't, I, I don't know. I guess it makes sense. I get, I get I, it. It was, it, it doesn't bridge the gap anymore. Like, you know, maybe it could even s- even if it satisfied a, a logical syllogism in my mind, it it no longer like I couldn't I couldn't be vulnerable with with God anymore, and so that's that's what happened there, and sounds like that's similar to what happened with Catherine, and I'm sure a lot of others. And then I mean, she also had tied into this that story is that this woman was um, Muslim, and and that her Christian community was just sympathetically saying, you know. Oh, that's so sad that she's in hell now, essentially. And Right. Which is Rachel Held Evans' story of her breaking point, turning point, whatever. And she shared that on the episode with, with us back when she did that. Um, I think it was 9-11. It was footage mm. from after 9-11 when it was like, let's go get them, you know. And there was like these, this footage of, the, of people. And there was a woman, I think, being like tortured and I think killed. It wasn't, they didn't like, they showed the whole video on the news or whatever, but they, but there was this clip or something like that of this is what was going to happen to this woman. And she just, she says everything that she had been taught says that this woman just went to hell and it doesn't make any sense. This person has never heard, has never like, didn't ever have a chance. This is just where they were born. Anyone born in the exact same situation would have believed the exact same things. Right. And so, you know, and I even hear the argument there is it's the, the David Platt argument of like, well, we need to get to every people group right and 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 because it hasn't been preached that's you know that's right but what kind of a god would make that system what kind of a god would allow that woman's eternal destination to depend on you know some christians in america getting over there in time it doesn't feel just that's not that's not just it's not we well we wouldn't say it's just about for any other thing in yeah (laughs) in um, i mean there's really nothing that can outweigh eternity but um, hmm. there's, if, I mean, if this is just incredibly triggering listening to us talk about hell, I'll, we can first of all point you back to the heaven and hell series that Catherine mentioned. And then that's something that's really helpful to talk through. And that the gist of, of that and what we've talked about in a lot of other episodes, just so you can start to rest at ease, if this is something you haven't really waded into yet, is that, um, there, there really is no clear depiction of any kind of eternal torment in the Bible. Um, definitely not in the Old Testament and just some like images, kind of parable type stories in the New Testament. So yeah, most believe of our it depictions or not, of hell come from Dante. Yeah. Believe it or not, you can be a completely orthodox Christian without believing in any in, in an eternal hell. Like you could just believe in you don't even really have to believe in this uh some kind of punishment. Like it's anyway, we won't get into it all now, but um I just wanna I was personally feeling my body just start to mm. shake a little bit just thinking about it. It was the most, I mean, probably one of the most traumatic beliefs that any of us held. 
if you go back to that series and listen to episode one of the Heaven and Hell series, there's a good, I think it's like a five minute chunk at the beginning uh, where it's just listener audio, just tons of different pieces of audio of people sharing what they had been taught or what they had believed or what they had thought, pictures they had in their head of hell. And if you know that's too much for you, don't listen. But some of it is just shocking. It's like, wow, we got really creative with this thing that the Bible does not really, that biblical texts do not talk about very much at all. For If it's that important, right? There's no like, I need to explain to you what this thing is. And someone lays out, this is what it, like that's, that doesn't exist. In the Bible. Yeah. Like, you, know, you go to Lazarus and that's what, that's where people point to Lazarus and the rich man. Mm. And that's like the picture is I like, see, you know, but that's a story. I mean, I'm yeah, not saying clearly wasn't one of Jesus, like main teachings. Right. If this is as important as it's become today to the church. You'd think Jesus would emphasize it a bit more. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's an essential doctrine and you are ousted for not believing in that. Today. Oh, yeah. Today. Okay. Next. Yeah. Um, from there, her story kind of went into... Oh, that the Bible study. Yeah, going through First Timothy of right. all of all books sounds I don't think like I would have showed up. Yeah, <laughs> I think I uh, it was a up. bit of a perfect storm there. And yeah, First Timothy holds those passages about how women should be silent in church, and we talk we talked in depth about that in the woman series. So feel free to go back and check that out. But I can imagine what it was like to be in that Bible study. And I'm sure a lot of us have been there. I mean, when you're just beginning to crack and you, you know, maybe nobody knows yet and maybe you don't even know how to put it into words, but suddenly everything that you're hearing everyone say just sounds insane and offensive and hurtful. And, and it, part of it's crazy because you're realizing, you know, I, this is what I believe my whole life. I probably would have said the same thing a year yeah. ago. And suddenly it just doesn't sound like it, it sounds crazy. And for a woman, I mean, that's, then you start to just look at everything differently in the church. And as she was saying, you know, your most churches we grew up in, women are only, a, women are the receptionists and the children's ministry and the women's ministry, and that's it. And when you start to realize, like, what is that saying about me as a woman? And, and in the 21st century, you're seeing how incredibly different that is from the rest of the world. Like maybe you know, a couple hundred years ago, like that's kind of how it was in every circle of life. But now it's like the the rest of the of society is putting men and women in absolutely equal positions, if not trying to give women the step up to give them the equity. But in the church, it's just backwards. Um, so the, the dichotomy is even clearer. Um, mm. so, so it's a really crazy place to be. So yeah, I really... Um, I really identified with that part of her story as well. And then she kind of moves from there. It sounds like she you know, stepped away from the Bible study and from the church that she had grown up in and started looking for somewhere somewhere else to go. And that's really challenging. I mean, I remember back, yeah, seven, eight years ago when it all sort of started and, you know, it felt a lot of guilt not being in church because that's you know, you don't miss a Sunday. That mm -hmm. was sort of the, you know, that's right up there with the doctrine of hell, right? Like <laughs> you don't miss. And so when I was like, I just need a break. I need to, I, I need to like figure out what I'm even 
<laughs> like what's going on with me and why well, I had stepped aside from like teaching and ministry and all that kind of stuff. But as far as just like going to church, it still felt like I need to be there. So even for like a year or two, I kept going to a better, it was a better church. It was, you know, a little more progressive, a little more, I agreed more with the teaching or whatever. It was more of a treating the Bible as an ancient text, at least the teaching part was. And, but just, it starts to become more and more uncomfortable as, you're just like, well, I don't know about that anymore either. You know, you're like, you hear something you're like, I just don't know about that one though. I, whatever topic it is, like, I just think that's different too. And and so, after a year or two of that, really just took a step back and was like, I'm just not going to do anything for a while. And I think, and I've said this on the show before, like, it's okay. It's okay to mm-hmm. to take that gap year, you know, before you decide what you want to do. And um, and we do. I mean, we could talk about what we do now. And I think listeners might be surprised <laughs> like what we do now, but yeah, I, I needed that separation. I needed that space to even contemplate being able to enter back into one of these spaces in a, in a healthy way, in a way that wasn't so much like whatever this person up front says, like I need to either go that direction wholly or completely go against it. You know, like it's like black or white. You have to be like all into something or all out of something. So anyways, I mean, we both took, yeah, long breaks from church. And, and honestly, I think if it wasn't for our kids, we probably wouldn't have really made it a priority to try and find a, a church. Just, But we started realizing, I mean, partially, well, there were a lot of reasons we, we wanted to try and find something. And we're both lucky enough to have had really wonderful church experiences as children. Um, and I know that not everyone has that story, but um, we've had incredible communities of people who did so much together and did outreach and programs and um, just traditions over the years and people that really felt like family and aunts and uncles and grandparents. And yeah, we wanted our kids to get to experience that kind of thing that as, um, you know, as Rachel Held Evans puts it, uh, you know, the people who, who will bring you, bring you casseroles. Like we wanted to have that community. And like, I think that was the main factor of trying to get back in. It wasn't really a needing the specific religion. But of course, we were like, we weren't considering going to some other, you know, we weren't considering going to a Buddhist or a Muslim group because that just isn't the the language that we speak. Well, yeah, there's a, actually, there's a music leader at the church we do go to. It's very, it's a really, I mean, strange. it's a strange church because it's, this church that's basically created for a bunch of people who don't know what to do with church anymore, aren't sure how to interact with Christianity yeah. anymore, but that's where they came from. And so, but there's this worship leader who's actually going to be coming on the show sometime, soon, soon. <laughs> <laughs> sometime in the future. Uh, if you if you scroll, if you listen to this later and you scroll up, it might already be there. I don't know. But uh, he's going to be coming on the show. His name's Sam. And he has this song where he just writes all because what do you sing like when you're all when you're all in this place of deconstruction and there's very few songs left that we feel we can sing so, yeah so sam writes a lot he just writes them all and we kind of sing them over and over again and it's great and uh but one of the lines is he talks about like questioning and just not not sure anymore and and needing to leave past ideologies and that kind of thing but but saying you still feel like home to me that mm-hmm. line and i just feel like that's such a tagline of like this show too like and probably the reason why we we could go to any church really, but like for some reason or any you know, I guess other religions are on the table, <laughs> like as far as like bringing taking taking the benefits of different ideologies out there and that type of thing. But this still feels like home. It's always mm-hmm. going to feel like home, and I, I love that line. Yeah, for us, 
And there's just, and that's why people listen to the show who, who don't believe a lot of the same things they used to have changed so much. They're still, they still kind of keep coming back to this community and this group because there's something about it that feels like home because that's the, that's the, the way you were <laughs> introduced to the world was through yeah. this story. There are so many beautiful um, elements of uh, Jesus, of Christianity, and, and also just of religion in general. And I mean, maybe that sounds crazy to say because we talk so much about the negative elements of religion. But, but there's a reason that religion has existed for essentially as long as humans have existed and will continue to exist is because it's a, a blending of culture and tradition and this passing down of, of stories and morals and teachings. And it's a structure that essentially, even if, even if Nate and I decided we don't believe any of this, we don't believe any of it ever happened. We don't believe there's a God. I'm, I'm not saying that is what we believe, but even if we were to that extreme of just, we're total atheists I think there would still be some draw to, I mean, I mean, we did, we, we would drive around just talking, brainstorming, like how could we create a community that resembles what the church does, but not with the, the guilt of religion or the motivation of, you know, we have to do this because of heaven and hell. And it was, I was, we really had a hard time figuring it out. We thought, well, maybe we could just do it in like our neighborhood and, you know, we could create this neighborhood community and i mean we happen to live on a cul-de-sac which is the ideal for that and we do have great neighbors we just realized it's just not going to be the same there's something about what is happening at church and the intentionality and the communalities i don't think that's a word that would be you know possible to maybe recreate but really difficult to recreate and in the daily life of you know we're parents and we are you know busy doing other like we just we we don't have the ability to create from scratch something that we hope will positively shape the lives of our kids like right now. I mean they're 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 here right now and we need it right now. So yeah, so we went we're we're very fortunate that this church happens to be within driving distance for us because it is a place where we feel welcome no matter what we believe. Like we've I've said it to many people that I don't feel like I'm going to be found out at this church. Like they we don't have to, you know, there's no statement of faith. There's no, nothing you have to believe. Yeah. Um, so well, I'm trying to put that together on almostheretical.com as well. If you scroll all the way down to the bottom to the footer, there's like churches near me. And we're trying to, with your help, listeners, <laughs> we're trying to compile these type of churches. One where, you know, it's, you know, it's not that hard to find a progressive church that is affirming or, and allows women to teach. It's not that That's hard. That's the basics. Yeah, there's like a lot of lists out there. There's, there's this other level of like open to, not just open to questioning, but like open to a person who is in a different spot than than maybe the average Open Christian to someone who or, maybe just doesn't believe that, you know, Jesus is the savior of the world or that the, say, that the I, Bible I, is the easy way the to say it is like, like those are things that are considered really essential in a lot, most churches, even most progressive churches, but. A lot of us need a place where those don't have to be essential. Right. Like you could just go to any Episcopal church and they are, I think they're all affirming, right? Like, isn't that like what that came down from the top, right? But yeah, it's like, I think the easy way to say it is like open to questioning or open to deconstruction or being post deconstruction. Cause I think some people have moved out of that and are just, that's where they are now. Anyway, uh, if you want to talk more about that, like 
ask us on the next Zoom call or in the Facebook group. Um, and if you're ever in the Portland area, we'd love to go to church with you yeah. if you want to um, do that. And we'll get lunch after, something like that. So anyway, that's I think it's wonderful to do these stories like this to because I you know we get to see them all. We get to see all these emails that come in, all these messages in the Facebook group, which if you join the Facebook group, you can also see that as well. Just go to almostheretical.com and you can get be a part of that group and um you, and you see these stories and everyone just shares them and like yeah me too that kind of stuff but it's a very uh, encouraging atmosphere oh yeah 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 yeah. but to be able to share some of those here um with you all in, in a more public way like i think it's i think this could be helpful so let us know um if this was helpful and let us know if you have a story that you feel like could really encourage and and help others and kind of encourage them along in this in this uh, the journey that we're all on yeah. together and Catherine, thank you for sharing yeah. vulnerably your story and your the emotions of that journey. And it's powerful, and I think a lot of people are going to be grateful. And yeah, thanks, Catherine. All right, we will see you next time.